This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. Welcome to Mega Nerd Week here at the podcast where we have Dungeons and Dragons opening on Friday. And not only that, but it might be good, question mark? (laughs) (laughs) I... uh, I'm not sure what to think of this. Like nerd nerd culture had its time like when Big Bang Theory came out and people like became it became this thing. It's our voice. And then it went away. <laughs> and then Kyle's here and <laughs> No, it's just it Dungeons and Dragons is not I mean it's a recognizable name mm-hmm. and it has Chris Pine in it and it has other Michelle Rodriguez peripheral actors that are yeah. beyond character actors Hugh not Grant, yeah. Not, yeah, I, I, Hugh Grant is not a, a name anymore for a drive, but he is somebody that you know. Yes. You recognize the name, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. okay. But you know, uh, projections are in the Paramount wheelhouse: thirty to forty million. It could be higher, <laughs> and it could be higher because the reviews are coming in good. Yeah, people people are all saying the same thing right now. It's good. <laughs> it's actually good. And I and I've been begging for this since the the original um how to train your dragon mm, make yeah. a good live action dragon film okay yeah they did this with the hobbit and it was fine but the dragon just laid around and monologued yeah, it flew once i mean it monologued it as soon as it flew it got shot <laughs> immediately it does get like, shot very quickly very quick and for a 3 hour movie the dragon dies Rather quickly in this in this period of time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's airborne for five minutes of three hours. I mean, a dragon is known for being a giant lizard that flies. Literally, the second movie is named after the dragon. Yeah. It flies at the tail end of the movie. Yeah. And then it gets shot at the beginning of the next yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a, mostly monologues. Yes. <laughs> Which is... Not quite what I think audiences are craving for. for yeah, but this looks like now. from the trailer, from from the previews and reviews, it looks like the the dragons are a major part of it. And it's in the title. Yeah, so. we clearly don't know much about Dungeons and Dragons. No, I don't know crap about it. Neither do I. <laughs> Role playing game. That's all I know. No, nothing. I I know zero about the game. I I might know less about the movie. Chris Pine is in it. Question mark? <laughs> and even still, we're like, is that a deep fake thing? Is, is that AI? No. Is it is it a good thing? I don't know <laughs> well, if it's good or not. Because... Everyone says it's good. Yeah. I, hey, more power to it. So we have, uh, you know, a huge opening for for John Wick, one of our biggest R-rated openings ever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and then we have this, and it looks like they're going to be battling for the number one spot this weekend, which is. You know, good for, excellent for Lionsgate and Paramount has an opportunity to have another number one film where they just target these dates and boom, open to number one. <laughs> yeah, and it's just terrific for movie theaters in general who can possibly play both of these titles. I mean, both of these titles are just getting the best of responses. John Wick 2, I don't see taking a major shazam 2 and man 3 type drop i think it's very safe to say like it will be 50 percent, and that'll be perfect but that still could do very good business after its opening while dungeons and dragons could be not far behind could even overtake it in fact so it's just the type of competition that we've been craving for like box office blockbuster-esque titles 
um, that are geared towards almost all audiences that are going to duke it out in a way. Yeah, no. And they're both, if, if the reviews are right, I mean, it's a solid film. So we have two solid movies at the top of the box office. And then we have Ben Affleck coming in on the fifth with air, which is, you know, from, from all accounts, extremely well acted, directed. Mm-hmm. And then we have Super Mario Brothers, which is going to blow everything up on the fifth. Yeah, I mean, that uh, could cause even more of a of a good wrinkle between two titles this weekend that are going to be having great uh, benefit from playing off each other and getting great word of mouth. And then the Mario movie looks to be really good, and that's going to be geared towards families on top of that. So uh, it, it's going to be crazy to see how April almost shapes out as we see these three big titles going into that month. Yeah, no, we're going to see some of our best all-around box office numbers this weekend into next week that we've seen at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, without without having like an Avatar and Ant-Man opening weekend, without seeing these $100 million standalone movies where everything else is, you know, number two, 6.3 million. Yeah, <laughs> just actually, very, very, very low in yeah, terms of amounts. We're actually going to see like solid numbers across the board. Yeah. And even... Uh, you know, John Wick holding in the the top three or top five is completely different from everything else we have on the schedule. So this is going to be an awesome next two, three weeks. And the Easter holiday has never been a, say, a hot spot. Nothing that we've ever really like discussed as it's standalone outside of like a film that's targeted for this time period. What I mean, could have been Peter Rabbit 2. Yeah. <laughs> Remember those oh, memories, God. those episodes of... Or or Universal's Easter Sunday. Ah, <laughs> that was a fall release. I don't even know if it had anything to do with Easter, but it's in the title. <laughs> Did I force myself to watch it? And the whole movie is centered on Easter, literally Easter Sunday. It is Easter Sunday. And they okay. released it in the fall. <laughs> Those wascally wabbits, yep. you know, they're around in the fall, not uh, not, not delivering Easter. baskets in April. The only time we think about Gosh. rabbits ever. I've never <laughs> rolled my eyes harder yeah. during a film than I did during that film. Just like, how could you do this to us? Just deflating, just, oh, it's like, it's like a, It was like a $2 million opening. Like, it was brutal how yeah. poorly it did. That was... Yeah, that was one of those ones where we were getting like apologies from people for like from the film companies like, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't me for the record. Yeah. I didn't pitch it. Uh, yeah. But anyway, or, uh, what were you saying about your point for this upcoming holiday? Yeah, no, I mean, Easter may reveal itself to be one of these mini corridors we have throughout the year. I mean, there's obviously summer holiday corridor that we see with the, the buildup through the um, from Memorial Day through July 4th. Mm. We have the uh, winter holiday corridor from Thanksgiving through the end of the year. Um, and then we have these mini segments, which October has revealed itself to be for us, where the month of October, you can put anything there as long as it's quality film and it it performs. Like October used to be a dumping ground for R-rated and horror films. Part of August and September was October, which was just more trash. Right. But now it's an actual viable time of year to release major films and and make some money. Mm. So maybe this will encourage the film companies to look at Easter as one of these, just because of the additional time off that people have or spring break and things like that. But also because maybe, just maybe, 
the theatrical experience is a viable business opportunity <laughs> for um, I don't know film distributors. So practically any season could really work in your favor. Oh, weird how that works! <laughs> like if you have a good movie and you release it in theaters, it could make money. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> who would think of stuff like this? Kyle? Certainly not us at Off the Break Podcast, <laughs> a podcast dedicated to the being the voice of movie theater owners and managers. <laughs> yeah. Or the, not us <laughs> the frustration of the voice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know who's not frustrated is kyle who doesn't have children or diy responsibilities at home who's able to sneak out and see john wick four and i've never been more jealous of kyle in my life as you should oh no <laughs> <laughs> Because this movie rules. Oh, no. <laughs> this movie's awesome, Ken. John Wick oh, Chapter God. 4 is easily the movie I'm most hyped about this year after coming out of it. Um, and I really feel bad for rubbing it in Ken's face. I really hope yeah, you get real time ba- to see it. Feel I feel real am, bad. I am. <laughs> I, I know I have the bad. biggest smile, but that's I feel, because I'm, I feel terrible. I remember all the scenes <laughs> as I'm trying to describe this movie, but it's just, it's action flick excellence as i I do burnouts in your driveway ken (laughs) it's so good (laughs) oh god all right i I think that's i mean he kills a bunch of people but you know i'm not worried about spoilers because i know what i'm gonna see so let me have let me have whatever whatever you've got on this because if all of our listeners have seen it have seen parts of it Mm -hmm. let's we've we've given you six days let's have it kyle what do you got on john wick four the best the the best of the John Wick series? I would say so. Oh my god, yeah. are you kidding me? Cuz I see No, Ken, what have you done? I have binged I recently binged all three of the John Wick movies and they're all excellent and they all get better as I, this one director is clearly getting better at his craft at understanding how to be a director. You've just recently binged? I do it quarterly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't deserve to see John Wick before you. <laughs> I really didn't deserve it. I pinched quarterly. I tried. I bought a ticket and couldn't go. I had to just eat a ticket to a movie. <laughs> but this director, it's just so it's just so great to see a director coming into his craft and almost shining a spotlight in a way, not just towards like actors whose main genre is action, but just also stunt choreography as well. Because it's just all done masterfully. It's not done to where it's annoying tropes that you see in action movies where there's like shaking cam that hides deficiencies of action or jump cuts that think the action's being elevated when it's really not. Here, there's just such a nice flow to how everything is choreographed. And also, it does really well in terms of its pacing. For a three-hour-long movie, which I was nervous about, for John Wick, which doesn't exactly rely on character development or or uh plot too heavily i thought it really did do a good job minus maybe one or two scenes of making sure that the story keeps rolling and you don't feel fatigued by the movie itself and keanu of course delivers in this movie yes this is probably the least amount of words he speaks in this movie but i think at this point it's okay because we know what this character is we know what his journey is at this point and we're just along for the ride to see how he uh, redeems uh, re- how he redeems for those who have wronged him throughout this franchise mm-hmm. and I think it just does that the storytelling itself almost does that through the action rather than through 
uh, him needing to speak or anything of that sort. There's still scenes where it does rely on like, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to space on the actress names, but actress like Ian Shane or Lawrence Fishburne who do that for us. But in this case, this movie just wins you over so well that you're totally fine with that. You don't need Keanu to do all the speaking because I think the action and everyone else helps speak for itself. And then Keanu is just the great action star that continues to deliver in this movie. So John Wick 4 is just such a blast to watch and it is a, a great visual movie to see in a theater yeah keanu reeves has never been a successful monologuer anyway no <laughs> see but, him in dracula <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of bad examples of him yeah being extemporaneous yeah. and <laughs> but when you put an ian mcshane uh, a lance reddick who who passed away a Lawrence Fishburne yeah. people that are built for this mm. built for two pages of dialogue over the fact that he's stripping guns apart in people's hands and then stabbing them to death with them like that's what they're there for yeah <laughs> yeah no it's just it I think it, this movie really helps me realize how much this director has thought about who he uses in these movies um, I didn't really feel that with the first two movies, but I've come to really realize that with three and four, just because on how much better of a director he's become, but also just because of the actors that he's able to convince to be in this movie and how to utilize them. And that, and that's really impressive and makes it all the better. Yeah, no, they, I always had frustration with the, uh, antagonist in the first one, uh, Molly McMullface from, uh, Game of Thrones, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, yeah. It, he always drove me crazy. Punchable because, face guy. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Yeah. Be- bearded uh, um, uggo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just drives me nuts. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand this kid. And it's like, oh, my God, please kill him already. Mm. It takes way too long to kill this kid in the first one. For like 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. The shortest movie of the franchise. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, I feel like everyone – you know they they really spent so much money on uh, money time intent on the the casting of these films like you don't get in Ian Ian McShane is a payday machine he's like the opposite of a Ray Liotta Ray Liotta did everything just to accumulate funds it felt like yeah <laughs> like he was in so many movies yeah that he was just like I'm gonna knock these out <laughs> because I'm going to get a check for each film. Totally. And Ian McShane's like, I'll hold out to do the the Hellboy remake, but you're going to pay me for it. Mm-hmm. And I'll hold out to do John Wick. You know, was he in one? Uh, uh, two. He was in two. Yes, yeah. he was in two. And I was like, I, I remember him being in all of them. <laughs> but It feels like it at this yeah, point. But he's in John Wick 2. And it's like, we need somebody else who can monologue because Keanu can't do this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we'll get Ian McShane. And he's like, well, pay me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do this unless I'm going to get a big payday out There's of this. There's a lot of words in here yeah, for no. an action movie. Charge him. Per, he charges him per word, <laughs> per syllable. It would, hey, in John Wick 4, I think you could he could have made a case. Yeah. This is a lot more action <laughs> than dialogue. Oh, and that's like, and, and th- that was one of the articles I read was about how Literally, how little dialogue, how many spoken words that Ken Reeves had as a above the above the title yeah. billing on this, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. it was so dramatically limited. 
but he was limited across the board in number one, number two, like number three. He had a lot of quite a few speaking moments. Yeah, it's not anything I mean, it's not, new. He, it's not that he can't speak; he just can't do long stretches of, of yeah. dialogue. Um, but this one was like it was it was comical. There were like two hundred eighty words that he spoke in a, a two hour and forty five minute right, movie. Right, right. And it's like that's crazy. That's so little. And then I'm looking after rewatching one, two, and three. It's like Lance Lance Reddick is like the third character, and he has like eighteen words right. in each one of these films. It's, it's not like, like many every, others are really every, saying that. Every much. no, no. There's not that much dialogue, right. but every word is so perfectly selected. It's like. Good evening, Mr. Wick. Like that's, <laughs> that's that's and then he nods like three times to complete the <laughs> That's the rest of the com- sentence. Complete the discussion. He's like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't think with action movies like you should go that route. I just think this this series of movies does it really well. And now after seeing the fourth movie, a lot of action movies are gonna have to step up their game. Because now I have a new high bar. Granted, the last high bar was John Wick 3. But I have a new high bar with John Wick 4 with action movies. So, I don't know. I'm expecting more out of my action movies. Yeah. No, the the days of, you know, the the blockbuster blow-em-ups. I mean, that's what I grew up with was the late 80s, early 90s. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Chuck yeah. Norris, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I grew up with. But it's gotten to such a high level with... Especially with this series, where it's like, okay, now those are so far, so far removed from what I expect out of yeah, an action yeah. film anymore. That that day is gone. <laughs> There's no <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Ninety minutes and a bunch of you know, uh, greased oil, up oil barrels muscles. exploding yeah. in the distance. <laughs> helicopters like crashing yeah you can why see was there the, a helicopter you here? can see all the wires pulling the helicopter down <laughs> like we've moved on from that well that was bad production but uh we had a news article this week about bad projection yeah um vulture had a writer um discuss his notice about bad projection for movie theaters he talks about seeing movies like the Batman and Ant-Man the Wasp where he's noticing like the screens being dimly lit or he notices that the, the projection seems to be slightly off of the screen or that the colors aren't quite the properly lit as they should be. So to do more of a test, he got a member of the IATSE, which is the international Alliance of theatrical stage employees. I never knew that to be a thing myself, but I guess it's a thing. And they went around Times Square to the big chains to see if this was, um, if they noticed any other signs of bad projection, which of course they did. They did notice things such as like dim lights, torn curtains, um, off placement of projections, that sort of thing. So the article goes on to talk about their notices of what is going on with projection, but they also did go into a bit of history for those who are not in the industry about this being an ongoing thing since the switch from film projection to digital projection back in 09, I believe. So at least it does give context to the outsiders of the movie theater industry in case they did come across this article. But, and, and including for me, who doesn't quite know about this stuff, I found the article interesting in itself, but I also did didn't quite appreciate the article because at the end of it, it seems to be 
the author kind of suggesting that in a few years with this keeping up that it's going to cause audiences to sway away from the theater experience and go into watching stuff at home again, even though we clearly see the pattern of behavior to where that's not necessarily the case. Audiences still need their choices and they still need their choices with the theater experience, even if general audiences have the potential to start noticing that projections aren't quite what they remember possibly pre-pandemic. Yeah, no, the the days of a standalone projectionist are, are long gone. For sure. That hasn't existed for almost two decades now. Yeah, which um, he mentions in the article. Since the too. conversion to digital. Yeah. That being said, you know, we have, uh, as theater theater operators, we have a limited amount of employees, time between shows. Um, so when you are when you go into clean, you walk into an auditorium, the last thing you're looking at is the screen. Mm-hmm. You're looking at seats. You're looking for spills. You're cleaning up and trying to turn that theater around as quick as you can for the next show. Yeah. And so you're not looking at the screen, but I mean, anyone who's been in a theater has uh, memories of, of bad theaters, of, of sticky floors, of uh, blurry screens, of surround sound not, not functioning, where you're just getting sound from one, from the front of the screen yeah, or from or sides. Yeah, or the sound just doesn't go off in general. Correct. Or, or God forbid, a, a delay in sound where it's not matching the voice the mouth's moving on the screen which yeah. is all that is certainly which is cases. which is maddening yeah but this is all part of not being able to do the kind of quality control that existed because it had to exist when we had projection film where you had to literally attach all of the reels together onto a spool to play a single film all the way through so you didn't have to do what theaters did in the 70s and 80s which was or from the beginning to the eighties, which was switching between projectors mm-hmm. <laughs> from one to the next two. So you could switch reels. <laughs> yeah. Like you needed someone with uh, the proper skills to make sure everything is functioning in the now. Yeah. Like and it was, and it was such a huge requirement because otherwise you could not play the film. It was mm-hmm. not able to be played. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, with the, the move to digital, yes, it made things, more simpler relaxed, it, it made it yeah i mean it it made cost cutting part of the theatrical experience yeah <laughs> it it made it more corporate in the idea i mean he obviously singles out amc and regal because they're the two largest chains but this happens everywhere i mean all of our every theater has these moments of uh, momentary lapses but the reason why people come to theaters is for the theatrical experiences to see the best presentation on the biggest screen in the best seats with the best concessions that you can put forward. And if, if you're not doing that, then you're not creating a theatrical experience that people want to um, replicate for future films. And so it, it does point that out, but it has a word in this article that I hate more than any other word in our industry. <laughs> One singular word that I cannot stand and it's a unit of measurement called the foot lamber. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and if, if you know what a foot lamber is, I am so sorry. <laughs> because it only seems to come up with 3D, with uh, major major films where, they're with, where the film companies get very specific and very upset if you do not have the required amount of foot lambers. They do not seem to have a standard way of actually measuring these. They don't send people out to measure these. It's not a 
it, it's a it's a guideline. It's a it's a requirement in the loosest form of the word requirement that you have a certain amount of foot lambers on screen. What do you what, well, Ken? What do you mean by a loose measurement? I think in this article it describes perfectly well that the minimum that a theater projection should have is fourteen lambers, which is the equivalent of forty eight wax candles per square meter. Isn't that an accurate measurement? Wax candles. <laughs> Now, <laughs> I don't know if our listeners are married or not. There is a varying gradients of what consists of a candle. I have candles in my house that are the size of a pinky. I have candles in my house that are the size of a football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what candles are they using? Isn't there... I'm a man. I'm a simple creature. Is there a laser that I can point at a lighted screen and it says six? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. I need a numbering system between one and ten. No decimal points. You get mm. between one and ten, and I have some sort of laser-guided, handheld, gun-shaped device that I can point at a screen, and it says six, seven. You need, that- a, you need an exact unit of measurement. Wax candles is not enough. What? I know. <laughs> there were parts in this article that I thought were very insightful, but then there was others of whether it's the, the 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 people he was interviewing or some of the data he looked up to where I was like, this seems very minuscule issues, even for me. Even for someone who has complained that the local or the local chain, the okay. chain in our yeah. small town has, you know, dimming issues with its screens and whatnot. Like, even for me, I was like, wax candles? This is, this is not good. (laughs) I know. And it's, it's so, so convoluted and it's so, such an, I mean, incredibly antiquated way of measuring something based on wax candles. We don't do anything like that anymore. No. Nothing is based on that. Miles per hour. Yeah. (laughs) Meters per it, I don't know. I don't know. Pounds per ken. I mean, I step on a scale and I either go, or eh, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> better, better than I thought. <laughs> or, ah. Yeah. No, not recently. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's uh, this, this foot Lambers thing is so frustrating. And the reason why this has become an issue is because we moved to digital projectors. Those digital projectors have xenon bulbs. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to lower the amount of electricity pushed into that bulb because if the uh, in you know as a rudimentary understanding the lower a bulb is lit the longer a bulb lasts because right. bulbs are incredibly expensive. Yeah. So if you have your bulb all the way up to get the best highest amount of light onto that screen your bulb is going to have a shorter life. Right. So then theaters turn the bulb down so it lasts longer, and then you get a lesser projection on the screen. But this is, again, a cost savings measure that theaters have put in place because they're limited on the amount of staff they can afford to have. The, yeah, especially especially due to the pandemic. And, Post-COVID, yeah. And I'm sure that this has been the case even pre-pandemic, even when we, we were seeing box office successes to the heights that they were. This wouldn't have been a a idea to use that wouldn't shock me um and i i i do wonder also it it certainly doesn't help that movies nowadays are also changing the way that they're made which i think affects lighting 
So despite every movie basically being made so that way it does go on a screen, onto like a big theatrical screen, I don't think that they're accounting for theaters making the adjustments that they have to in order to keep their own lights on. So if they are dimming their own bulbs, I don't think that they're thinking about in terms of how should I light a scene in a certain way so that way it doesn't make the shot even darker than it's probably supposed to be. I'm looking at you, Matt Reeves. <laughs> no, Matt Reeves was a good one. <laughs> he was thinking about it. I'm thinking of every Marvel project ever the past four years. That That's always what comes to mind for me. Yeah, we, we should talk about that, that next week with the shakeups over at Marvel. We should add that. There's been a lot of movement. <laughs> that could Yeah, there could be something to talk about. Um, the head of the VFX department or something. And then the, they had somebody else got... Uh, removed from their duties as a cost savings measure i'm gonna i'm mm. gonna add that to my yeah <laughs> my repertoire of words from now on <laughs> sorry kyle it was a cost savings measure that's gonna honestly hurt worse that that's the equivalent of i'm not mad just disappointed yeah no, i would think in, in the corporate wor- in the corporate world that would probably be that equivalent. if you watch on youtube you'll see the quality dip a little bit because we couldn't use the digital camera anymore we have a guy like cranking <laughs> a, a camera right now faster timmy faster <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, th- this article just struck my interest just because I don't know all the ins and outs about theater projection, and I myself have noticed uh, issues, especially when it comes to lighting. But I-, I did find it interesting, but I also found it a little disheartening because it did feel like it was an attack in a way towards theaters, especially towards the tail end when he had his prediction of, like, 2026, if this keeps up, people are going to stay at home again. And it's like, I... I think this is like our biggest test we've had. And I just don't see that becoming realistic. Even if casual audiences do pick up on uh, those types of projection issues, which I don't, I don't see it being very likely, but it it also wouldn't shock me at the same time. I'm still kind of in the middle on how that's about to become. Yeah, no, they'll, people will definitely turn away from movie theaters in 2026 as Amazon and Apple are pumping a billion dollars each into the industry. <laughs> yeah, they won't put their money where people are. Yeah, just talked about that last episode. Just so. walk walk away. That's why they've <laughs> spent all this money to get into the arena here. Yeah. Oh, oh, Vulture. So it's quite an interesting read if anyone wants to look into that one because there's certainly a lot more stuff there that maybe you yourselves will find interesting in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> It's one of those articles and, and this podcast is a reminder just to look at the look at the presentation that you have currently and see if there's, you know, not that anybody's going to notice a torn screen mask in the bottom right hand corner. Mm. But maybe now's the time to get that fixed, get it adjusted. You know, if you have a seat that's had caution tape on it for six months because you're like, well, I'll get around to it, you know, take take part of an afternoon get the get the seat replaced and and you know just just do that little bit more that's a good make your theater and it's and it's not it this article can be hopefully is the the motivating factor just to do go that little extra mile to create that experience for one person so that your theater becomes the place they want to be yeah to see these new releases yeah i mean if someone is waking up a member of the iatsc to notice these things then who knows? Maybe there will be a casual person that starts to 
notice something like that too. Correct. Just that we little should, something. That we should off. all listen to the LMNOP. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, who are, I I I googled them. I looked up their website. Still don't know what they are. I Maybe think, I'm just out of the loop, but I just am unaware of this group. I think with acronyms, if you go beyond four, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. get you get four letters, and that's and it. Make them two syllables each word, not three. <laughs> Yeah, for half of it, it's it's long. I mean, it takes up a whole line on our on our notes here. Yeah, I I was reading out loud, and I, even I was thinking in my head, "Am I saying this right?" <laughs> it just sounds garbled after a while. Uh, but okay, we're done. We're done bashing on them. We'll move on to our pop culture roundup. Uh, let's start you off, Ken. Do you have? Oh. Did you find what yours was? Yes, I have excellent news this week for everyone that enjoys current cinema that is not boring. Clint Eastwood is only making one more film for Warner Brothers. He's he's finally he's at nine hundred years old. He's yeah. making one more film and then stepping aside wow. from from films like only like five movies too late. Maybe uh, I mean the the last last three or four. I mean it's it's time to hang up your spurs yeah. and call it a career. Yeah. Definitely, but still a amazing career nonetheless. Like his directing career is like someone's whole career, like in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Like he had such a great legacy as an actor, but literally like a second legacy as a director almost. Oh, yeah, beyond. I mean, if you took half of his filmography, that's that's a full career for a successful director. Yeah. And I mean he had he had a run in the the eighties and nineties that mm-hmm. I mean is it's it, you know i mean he won plenty of awards but it's it looks like a i mean his career you put it up box office wise it looks like a scorsese a francis ford coppola as yeah. far as like what it's done financially yeah for sure and for folks of a certain generation it's like he is up there with you know i i, I say spielberg's but as far as like what he's he's accomplished the kind of movies he's made within the industry R rated action dramas. Like yeah. for, for a certain generation, it's like, yes, I, I was at the age where, um, this, this movie was more important than ET. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it, it's an impressive career, but it's time. It's time. <laughs> it's time. I mean, it's time. He made a movie where he talked to a chicken last time. <laughs> yeah it's and it, it wasn't a cartoon <laughs> i mean i said that out loud i'm like am i talking is this real like i saw the movie and i was like it's like is he just having a discussion with a a fighting a fighting chicken right now oh I my mean, god he's it, done it was literally this movie had the worst car chase in the history of car chases yeah, I remember. I can't remember what the name of the movie was. Cry Macho. Cry Macho. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, I remember liking it enough, but I think even I was lying to myself a little because I think the time has come. I think you're right. It's good that this is going to be his swan song. Hopefully, it's a great one, and he can wrap into that sunset. I don't. I don't mind. I just I need it to be over. Yeah, God, I need it to end. <laughs> I need it to be the. <laughs> The finishing line for Clint Eastwood. He doesn't need to die or anything. He no, just no, needs that's to, not what he I'm... just needs to go away. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just enjoy the lawn chair. Yeah, no, they need to have him like set up 
a, a Panavision in his living room and he can just record the birds outside like Michael Scott at the office. Like yeah. <laughs> that's what he can do for the rest of his life. He can <laughs> shoot them however he would like, but I don't need to see it. I don't need to book it. I don't need to promote it anymore. I'm done with Clint Eastwood. Is his son going to be the lead in the movie? That's my little prediction. Oh, God. A movie with his no, son. No. His last movie. Absolutely not. Clint Eastwood is going to be the star of the last Clint Eastwood movie. Okay. okay. Uh, that's, and the, he, he doesn't he really seem like the uh, uh, the touchy-feely type anyway, so no, maybe that's, that's the wrong No, take. why would he put... There's no one... I guarantee you there's no one in this world that a director who puts themselves in the movie likes more than themselves. Yep. That's the true. Sylvester Stallone's, the Ben Affleck's, yep. the Clint Eastwood's of the world like themselves more than they like anyone else, including their <laughs> own children, <laughs> their significant others. They like themselves the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine writing, writing, or writing, directing, and starring in a movie like these people have, I mean, everyone around them has to just be like, Wiping their faces consistently, like holding their head in their hands, like, what is going on? <laughs> like, this is an ego sandwich with melted ego cheese on top of it. But it could win us an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you have the vision. You can put it on the screen, but it's like, at a certain point, stop smelling your own farts here. Let's... <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's so it's so crazy, Kyle. The, the egos on these people that like... Yeah. You know... You know who would be great in this movie? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, Kev- Kevin Costner. Uh, you know, they go through a list of all these major movie stars that could be in this movie. It's like, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, no, you yeah. go through the, the massive list, and Clint Eastwood's like, I think Clint Eastwood would look great in this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but this me? is for a, a 40 year old man, and you're not anymore. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I hope this is like Clint Eastwood makes Fablemans about the story of Clint Eastwood and de ages himself a la The Irishman. <laughs> you can do that now. <laughs> Where he stars from like 1960 to now. <laughs> and he just slowly gets older and older and older. And just like Fablemans, nobody sees it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked a lot about John Wick, so you can kick me about Fablemans. That's fine. <laughs> Did you have a topic this week? Something exciting in the world of film exhibition? I, well, not really about film exhibition. More about movies, and particularly the Superman movie. Uh, I saw in the news. I that saw you some... added this to our schedule, so I was like, Superman. Yeah. Yeah. What is, uh, what is this? There is a scooper out there somewhere whose job is to think that they're breaking news, but they're not. And they thought that they got a good one with saying that they heard that Logan Lerman is possibly going to be the actor that plays Superman in James Gunn's movie. Logan Lerman, I don't know if you remember the Percy Jackson movies at all, but he was no, the I kid thought, in the No, I lead. thought you said a racial slur. What? What is his name? Logan Lerman? <laughs> Oompa Loompa what? Did I say it too fast? <laughs> what are we talking about Logan here? Lerman. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? How many syllables Who is, is this that? Guy? How many letters? Is that a guy? Is, L- it, L- is it some sort of, is it another pandemic? Is it a growth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it another pandemic? Is it something else I have to wear a mask poor, for? Poor Kyle had a stroke too soon. <laughs> 
Lollapalooza? What the <laughs> hell are we talking about? Okay, great. This is a perfect name for me to make fun of. Yes. <laughs> I thought you might like this. Uh, and James Gunn basically was like, no, the scooper's an idiot. We haven't even cast anyone yet. No one. We. I've only made a private list. I've never even heard of Logan Lerman. <laughs> Which he actually did say he did he did have a tweet that was like I've never heard of this guy no offense <laughs> there's just a lot of actors I oh, don't know them all oh he said that I've never heard of this guy <laughs> that's that's cold blooded he did clarify but I thought that was funny <laughs> I've never heard of Loop whatever his name is Lumen Lumen Lululemon <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of him his likings are excellent so I. I'm only saying this on the podcast because I wanted Ken's reaction, and it was way more perfect than I anticipated. So there we go. I, They're still looking for Superman, apparently. Yeah, I enjoyed, you know, Henry Cavill Superman. I hope there's obviously more of this because they made tons of money, and it's this the CGI. The effects are only going to get better to mm-hmm. where we can increase the. Um, the amazingness, I guess, of these, the epicness of these films where you can show how, I mean, the the battle where he fights Michael Shannon in the end where they're just destroying buildings and throwing buildings at each other. I don't think if you walk into that cold, you're like, I know Superman's like super strong. Yeah. But then like the, the vastness of it where they're just literally crushing each other Decimate with skyscrapers. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is like, like it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> like I get that. if you're, and so if they can increase this for to, a teenage boy, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, as an adult who has witnessed a lot of destruction <laughs> and sadness, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yes. There's like how many? Like there's there's gonna be a remembrance remembrance day about this event. Like at some point I'm gonna. This get, is gonna take a week. I'm gonna get sad when I see the Time magazine at the grocery store about this particular. Yeah. <laughs> this particular moment in time. So I I I think what you're getting at too, like it, it'll be nice to possibly have Superman for audiences that doesn't make us sad, that has a bit of maybe a bit more of an uplifting nature that is kind of needed mm. for movie going. And I'm gonna throw it out there one more time. At a certain point in human history, there was a possibility that Tim Burton was going to make a Superman film with Nick Cage. starring Nicolas Cage. Yep. And I still need it. I need the alcoholic, cigarette-smoking Superman who looks disheveled and then finds out his best friend is his arch nemesis played mm-hmm. by... Oh, shoot. Who was it? Uh... I'll say Kevin Costner because it was the '90s, but I don't remember. Oh no, I I meant um, who was his uh, counterpart in um, oh the, his last movie? Uh, Zod. No, Is no, uh, Nicholas Cage in the Nicholas Cage biopic movie that we laugh about. Oh, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal yeah. plays his best friend, but he turns out to be his arch nemesis. Gotcha. Okay, I see. I see <laughs> where you're going with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, take a modern twist on it, but it I still need this to happen. Yeah, there's actually a documentary about that 90s movie like shows artwork shows him in a costume oh, no. it's incredible it all will, it would have been terrible but it's incredible it's so much fun to watch is that one of your quarterly watches where you go back and check it out to like it, it's is gonna, it a fever dream it might become that again because <laughs> it was a long time ago but it, it, it was a very interesting one all right well we better stop our rambling for this week let everybody get back to their busy busy movie theaters yeah. with 
uh, four, you know, 40 plus million dollar openers in the last 17 days, next 17 days. It's, it's great, man. This is awesome. John Wick, Dungeons and Dragons, and then Air, and then Mario to, Mario to top it off, which yeah. is going to just blow the doors off. Yeah. I'm this is what we've been waiting excited. for. The, uh, the, these are the types of moments in the industry where we're, where, where we make movie going special, that's for sure. With just all these great options and lots of people going out to see them, it, it's really great to see. I'm gonna take up smoking here pretty soon. After no. John Wick, you're... <laughs> am, I, am I smoking? Quick, blow me out! <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Off The Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at ScreenInsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off The Break Podcast.